This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Good morning, everyone. This is the the day the Lord has made. We are glad. Amen. Amen. It is my privilege to be here with you this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. Although it's a little bit raining, but we thank God for beautiful weather. Amen. So thank you. I'd like to thank the eldership of the church, your ministers, deacon, members. Thank you for this opportunity to speak before you. I trust that uh, the word that I will share with you will be a blessing unto you. Let us bow our heads, Spirit of the living God. We welcome you in this space, mighty Father. Father God, I pray that our hearts will be open, that our minds will be open to hear your word. Father God, I decrease, almighty Father, speak through me of our Father. Let every word that will come from my lips come from directly from your throne of grace to speak into your sons and your daughter. Enlighten us, almighty Father, with your word. Let this word permeate into our hearts, O God, so that we can ponder upon it, O God, and remember your faithfulness and your loving kindness. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. I'd like you to to read with me uh, on the book of Genesis 32, verse 22 to 31. Genesis 32, verse 22 to 31. I will be reading from the NRSV version. And it reads, The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids and his children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream. And likewise, everything he had, Jacob was left alone, and the men wrestled with him until they break. When the men saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him, and he passed Punel, limping because of his hip. Here's the reading of the Lord. Amen. This morning, I would like to invite you to journey with me to, the, to a familiar passage, the story of Jacob, where he's at Penel. He is wrestling with an identify, unidentified man. This is a familiar passage, but I'm sure since our childhood, we have heard this story so many times. But I would like you to journey with me so that we can understand Jacob's context this morning 
And that is a context we can identify with. Because like Jacob, many of us, there are times when God seems to be silent. There are times when you look at our world, particularly in this season, as a result of this pandemic that, that just ravaged the nations, lost so many lives. You know, the world will want us to, to, to see that God is absent because if God is present or was present, he could have prevented all that. But we know that we do not anchor our hope and look to what is, but we continue to have faith and look to God. And that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of trials and tribulation, God is present. Because God is his present, is revealed, and his present is manifested. So now we're looking at Jacob, and he's at Pinel. And so if we understand Jacob, Jacob is a grandson of Abraham, Isaac's son, right? And so Jacob is the son who, who, who stole his brother's blessing. He, uh, he's a fugitive. He's a liar. He's a thief. And so this is what Jacob has identified. This is how he know that he is. But he's on the run, and he's running, and he's on a journey. He's going to come to this place. And as he's journeying uh, to, uh, to, from Aram to um, from, uh, his uh, place of birth to Aram, and so now we see that Jacob uh, goes to Laban, and then so he falls in love. He, he meets this uh, beautiful young lady, and he falls in love with Rachel. But then he decides, okay, I'm going to serve uh, for seven years, he says to Laban, so that I can have Rachel's hand. But then he himself he got tricked instead of receiving Rachel he gets Leah but then he says I'm going to serve another seven years because I'm enamored with uh, Rachel so I desire to have Rachel so he served another seven years so he can get Rachel because Rachel was the love of his life and so he marries Rachel and they have both of them have a blended family beautiful children and so his journey continues and so as his journey continues he has this place where he has battle where he encounters God in a vision, in a dream, and God speaks to him. He says, you have to return to your country of birth. So he's a little bit perplexed. He's remembering what happened, the behavior, what he has left, because he left as a result of running for his life, because Esau had promised that he's going to kill him, because you stole what belonged to me. And if you remember as children, when you have siblings, when they take what belongs to you, we can be very protective, amen? And then that's what he's remembering. This is what his context, that his brother had made a promise, made a vow, that I'm going to kill you. And so... He's in distress. And so he's remembering those times. So now, as the journey is continuing, he's at this place where he's thinking about what is my brother going to do to me? Because I remember what he said. He had vowed to kill me because I stole what did not belong to me. And so now he's at, the play, at this place where he's, he's trying to find out what to do. He's trying to conjure a plan to have his plan. Like many of us, when we look into our lives, we want to do things our own way. We want to we wanna decide this is what I am going to do in whatever uh, context that you're living for, whether or not with your family, whether or not with your, with your school, your church, whatever it is. You decide to come up with your own plan because you decide that, you know what, my plan is a good plan. And so I am going to do what I need to do. So what Jacob decides to do, he decides to devour to devise his household, he sends some of them ahead of them, thinking that he's, if uh, Esau is going to come after him, then he's not going to kill all his family. He's going to be stay behind. And so he sent his family ahead of him. 
And so he stays behind. And so this is where we are in the context of this story that he sends his family ahead of them. And then he stays at the ford of the J block. And so one of the things that Jacob does and where we are reminded when the midst of chaos, when it looks like the impossible, we are reminded what Jacob does. He seeks the Lord. May possibly that was his plan B. And so he says in the previous uh, earlier um, verses, he says, deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I am afraid he may come to kill me and all my family. So now we can see that Jacob, the frailty of his condition, his heart condition, how he's afraid, he's fearful, he's in distress, and he's asking God. So now, aside from what he has done, so he's seeking the living God because God had spoken to him and given him an instruction to leave. So he's appealing to God and saying, God, remember you told me what, what to do to go and leave, and now here I am. I'm dealing with this situation. This is my heart condition. This is what's going on. I am distressed. I am fearful. I don't know what to do. And so he's at the Jabok. He's by himself. And the text tells us that there's a man with him. There is no name. The man is unidentified at the beginning of the stories. It's just like the man is wrestling. And so Jacob wrestling sometime while we looked at it can be described as his determination not to hold on to what, what that is of his condition. Because what Jacob is identifying is Jacob is a thief, is a liar, is a deceiver. So many of us, when we look at it into our lives today, we're looking at what's happening in our family, in our country, in our community, in our churches. There are times what we see does not add up, meaning that if God has said something concerning you and I, concerning our family, our loved one, our parents, and now we have the place where it seems like we have no control of what is going on, and Jacob probably, he's having a conversation, I'm just speculating, having a conversation with God, and telling God, this is who I am, this is what I have done, but you are telling me to go to see my brother, and my brother is probably going to kill me, but I don't want to go, amen, come on, and right now he's posturing, opening his heart, and he's resting. So when you're wrestling, meaning that you have to be determined in your mind, whatever the condition that you're doing, that you're dealing with, whatever the doctor may have said, whatever the case with your family, your children, whatever it is, you have to disagree not to accept that. No matter what it is. Because the world will want us to think that God is not alive. The world will want us to think that God is dead. But we serve a God who's alive because he rose from the grave. So whatever you're looking at today, whatever the situation is, hey, Allah. You have to say in your heart, I disagree with that report because this is not what it is. I know what it should be. And so you have to wrestle. You have to fight. You have to say to God, I don't want this, but this is what I'm holding on. And Jacob is probably saying, God, I know the promise that you have made to my grandfather, to my father, but here I am right now where I am. It doesn't seem that I can do it by myself, but I need you. So when you're wrestling, wrestling is a place of desperation to say, God, you know what? I cannot do it on my own. I need you to live in God because the Lord say, call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that I don't know. So when we don't know what to do, when it seems like impossible, we come, we wrestle with God. It is a place of determination. We have to make up our mind that no matter what it looks like, no matter what's happening in our nation, no matter what's happening in our community, in our churches, it is the plan of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy. But God comes to give us life, to give us hope. That's why he died on the cross. We say, God, we refuse that. And this is what we're holding on. We have to be determined. 
to hold on to God's word, determined to hold on to the promise, determined to hold on to what he has said to you, also our church, as a church that's been in this community for so long since 1746, amen? So now we have to wrestle with God. And then we wrestle. We don't know sometime how long the wrestle may take. And for Jacob, it was until break time. And can you imagine for so many of us who have siblings, growing up as a sibling, when you're fighting, right? We're gonna see. Oh, I have. I grew up with two. Uh, I have two siblings, an older sister and, and younger sister. I used to fight with my younger sister. It was easy because she was little, and it was easy for me to tackle her to beat her. Can you imagine Jacob fighting with his angel? You know, and then he's not letting go. That's how much pressure. That's got so much wrestling there is on. You know, the commentary says that it could have been a verbal fight, but I disagree. It was not a verbal fight. It must have been a physical fight because he's holding on to an angel. The angel tells him, let me go. But he's saying, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And now this is what the place when you are. You open up her heart and say, God, I am nothing but a mere human being. And you open your heart in a posture of humility because many of us, we are our hearts is filled with pride, with anger, with frustration. There's so many things going on. We harbor so many things from the past, from present, and even from the, from the future at times. So we have to come to a place when we open our heart and say, God, cleanse me, create in me a new heart, and renew in me the right spirit. And spirit, when I come before you, I can praise and worship. Let go of the cares of the world. Let go of what is going on. But, Father God, I refuse to let go unless you bless me. Because we cannot do this journey on our own. We cannot do this work of faith that God called us to do on our own. We need the presence of God. And the God presence is the presence that is revealed, that is manifested just like he did with Jacob. And he's doing that with all of us, each and every one of you today. And that's the beauty of Christianity. When we're accepting, he said, I will never leave you and forsake you. That's the promise he made to Jacob and to the forefathers that I will be with you. And so now that Jacob is looking, he said, I refuse to let you go unless you bless me. Because I know I am a trickster. I know I am a deceiver. I know I have lied and done all of these things. But there is something bigger that you're doing in me. There's something bigger that I need to fight for. So what is it that you need to fight for this morning? What is it that God is telling you, church? He's telling you as a church, as a body of Christ, and also he's telling you individually. So that's when you come, you posture yourself, and you bow down before the living God and say, Almighty, I am not worthy. Like David said, I have seen and fell short of your glory. But Father God, I need you in this morning. I need you every day in my life, and I refuse to allow this situation to get a hold of me, to miss what you're doing in my life. And so I will not let you go unless you bless me. Amen. And so he's bargaining with the angel. And the angel is desiring to go because daybreak is here. But he says, no, there's something more that I want. This is not who you created me to be. Because when, when God spoke to Abraham, he made a promise as well. And so now Jacob is probably thinking of all the great stories that his grandfather and his father told him. And he's like, no, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So today I want you to ponder upon what is it that you need to ask God that you refuse to let go? Are you fighting for a family member? Are you fighting for your, fam uh, for your marriage? Are you fi fighting for uh, your community? Are you fighting for this church? What are you fighting for? And say, God, I am going to wrestle with you and I will not let 
you go unless you bless me. So the man asked Jacob, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And so it's like I, I know the man knew if we, if we are thinking about it, the man knew who Jacob's name was. It was not by accident that he asked him, but he wanted to remind Jacob of who he was and who he was going to be because he, there was a promise upon his life. And the Jacob say, he responded, he said, Jacob, he said, no, no longer shall you be Jacob, but you shall be Israel. And even in, in, uh, in the literature this morning when we read, when we bring our struggle before God, there's a transformation that takes place. When you encounter the living God where you are, there has to be a transformation that takes place because the presence of God is a presence that is revealed, that is manifested. And so when God touches you, you are no longer the same, amen? You have to be changed. You have to be transformed. Something, the old is gone. The new is come. You have received the light of Christ, the light of salvation. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So when God touches you, it transform you. Many of the commentaries say that they don't believe there was transformation. I disagree because there's a season in my life and recently as I started seminary, I wrestled with the Lord. Many times I find myself at chapel sitting there and say, God, did you really call me for this? When I encounter Greek, I had to be on my knee like Jacob crying before the Lord and say, God, I don't know whether or not you call me. I look to the left, I look to the right. I'm like, yes, I am in this place, but I don't know how to do this. I cannot do this on my own. So I had to seek to the Lord and cry on my knees, literally crying, not metaphorically, but literally crying, tears boiling out and say, God, I cannot do this on my own. And it reminded me, yes, you cannot do it because what you think, when you thought that you were, what you thought you could do, now it's a new season, it's a different place. I am teaching you. And the Lord had to teach me for the past three years to rely on him so that he has taken me day by day. And so it's no longer, when I say, I say, God, it's no longer I that leave. It's not my desire. It's never, it was never my desire to be a preacher. But as I stand before you, it is the Lord living inside of me Enable me to do what I'm doing right now. It is his presence. It is his power. And that's what his presence does. His presence is revealed and is manifested into your lives. And so moving on into the text, and he said, and he said to Jacob, for you have striven with God and with human and have prevailed. So when we encounter the presence of the living God, prevailing means to overcome, to surmount whatever mountain, whatever challenge that you're facing, because that's what his presence brings us. He brings us peace. He brings us strength. It's the power of God in us. And so I don't know what your struggle is this morning, but guess what? The Holy Spirit knows what you're dealing with. So I want to encourage you this morning. Look at what's happening and look unto God because God is bigger because his presence is going to give you the ability to overcome any amount of trouble because his presence is revealed and manifested. Amen. And so we continue on and Jacob is now having a conversation with the angel. He wants to know his name, you know? And so now he says, so he says, what is it? Why are you asking me my name? And then he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Penel, for I have seen God face to face. So when we look at our challenges today, I want to remind you, church, when you come to this place, when you come to church, 
whenever you come, you have to think that you're coming. Let's consider this. This is our pineal. This is where you desire to encounter the living God. And encounter living God, it may not be like Jacob face to face. It could be to, to a neighbor. It could be to someone saying a word to you to encourage you. You know, it could be someone greeting you. It could be a child, an, an elderly, whomever it is. It could be that person that God has appointed to meet with you and to give you a word of encouragement. So we do not take it for granted when we had the opportunity to come before the Lord every, you know, on, uh, on the Lord's Day on Sunday. It is an opportunity to encounter the living God. And his encounter may vary because, you know, we are minded, God ways in not our ways. He, may, he does come face to face, but there are times he uses human beings. He uses us because we are in the hands and in feet, touching each other's lives so that we can be encouraged for the journey ahead. So remember, whatever you're going through, we have to have a determination to see God. We have to wrestle with God. And the wrestling is refusing what the world we want to portray to us, that, no, that we are separated. No, we are one in Christ. We are anchored in Christ. And I believe that is the theme of your church, anchored in Christ. Amen. And so we have to have a heart, a posture of humility, because in our humility, it shows our frailty. It shows our heart condition and say, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I need the spirit of the living God. And so and the last thing I want to remind you that the presence of God brings victory. We have the power within us to overcome what is whatever it is that we are facing. It is not easy for us to be transparent, to be vulnerable to each other, but we can be vulnerable to the spirit of the living God. So today, as we come, I believe this is the last month of July. Summer is drawing to an, to an end already, but we want to thank God for the opportunity that to come together, you are a beautiful congregation, to come together to seek him. I pray that you will be intentional when you come to, to, to church. We just we don't come just to come. We come to have an encounter with God. Because I tell you, many times when I was at seminary, I was intentional in attending chapel. Because that was a place when, when I failed my Greek exam and, and, I, and I cried out <laughs> before God. And that was, that was the time when I received a message. The preacher said, I had received an F on my exam as well. So I was encouraged to say, God, okay, I can make it. You know, someone else had the same result that I did. It's okay. So this is the time when you come to know that you are not alone. You are a beautiful community. God is with you. God is present. God present is revealed to his word, to each of us. And his presence is manifested to encourage you that he is with you. Amen. So just like Jacob, we are going to wrestle. We are going to have our differences. We are going to, to disagree and agree at times. It is going to happen because this is what we are. We are humans. But at the end of the day, we have a heavenly father. We have one common denominator, the living God who has called each and every one of us his son and his daughter. So I'd like to remind you, that God present is manifested, God present is revealed, and then for you, I want to encourage you to be intentional to seek God when you come into his presence, because his presence is with you. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.